Welcome to Emirates Podcast, episode number 108. This is your host, Suman Silwal. I'd like to welcome Aaron Jamison to Emirates Podcast. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Suman. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, how's things with you uh, running wide? Uh, we haven't run in a while. And what race are you going to Are you doing the Blood Rock uh, this coming up this weekend? I am. Yeah, I'm uh, registered for the 100 miler and uh, looking forward to it. So is this going to be your first 100 miler? It is. It'll be my first attempt at 100 miles, yes. <laughs> yeah, Blood Rock 100 uh, can be brutal, uh, you know, with the course it, it is. So tell us about your running background. you about to run 100 miler. Tell us about your running background. I have kind of a diverse background in running. It basically started in the military. As you know, the military, at least the Army, likes to run. So started when I was young and... You know, we ran all different kinds of distances, but I wasn't like running in uh, competitive, you know, races and things. And then uh, as I got older, I did start running uh, road races and, you know, started with 5Ks, 10Ks, moved up to halves and then full marathons and kind of got bored with that, with just the large crowds and, you know, running the pavement. And then... I'm an avid backpacker and mountaineer and climber, so you know, I got kind of introduced to the Pinhoti through the internet, and uh, and then I just started trail running, and uh, so I've been doing it for a few years, and uh, that's all I do now. I don't run on the roads at all. Wow. Nice, nice work. Uh, definitely uh, being a trail runner myself, uh, it's a different from road running, but I do both. Uh, for me, uh, I like to be in a, both community no, running is running for me, but definitely trail gives you more satisfaction some days. And some days <laughs> road running is easier for me. Just don't have to focus on the uh, roots and rocks. I'll uh, just run. So definitely it's a, two different things. But let's uh, let's move on to our interview. I'll, let's see where we go. I know you run a business, public safety, and many other things you do out there. I have seen your pictures and work. I haven't personally been to your work and how you do things. But it's so much related to r- trail running, running, that can help our listener to understand the safety of ourselves and being out in the wilderness, especially we talked just talked about trail running, running 100 miles, running any distance out in the trail. Well, let's just talk about it, talk about your business what do you do and then we can kind of build from there well my business is valkyries austere medical solutions and uh, our uh, business is located in aniston alabama and we focus our work towards austere medicine so basically we have three focals education and it is in tactical medicine uh, wilderness medicine and then community resilience so keep it in context with what we're discussing our wilderness programs are are pretty robust we have a wilderness first aid course we have a wilderness first responder course and then we have a technical rope rescue and extrication course and we teach everything from boy scouts to backpackers to mountaineers to to just about anybody who's interested in our courses and basically it's in preparation to take care of yourselves uh, whether you're backpacking or running or you're going to climb Mount Everest so that's you know in context to this podcast uh, we as you know in the trail running community you know I've seen more and more things happening on the trail so um, it's very relevant uh, to trail runners because a lot of us 
uh, I'm one of them. I ran a lot of distances by myself, so or with somebody else, just one person. And it's vital that you be able to take care of yourself if you get injured or sick. Definitely. Uh, not only uh, injured and sick, uh, do you also look in, into other things uh, happening in the trail in a sense of uh, uh, getting, uh, you know, wild animals, you know, we're looking at the snakes and you know, all those things also. Do you work on those first aid uh, teaching as well? Do you do that? Oh, absolutely. Um, in our both our wilderness first aid course and our wilderness first responder course um we address uh environmental issues as well as uh snakes and bugs and wasps and you know we don't address like mountain lions or anything but you know we did our last class we did get into a topic of uh, grizzly bears and if you've been out west uh personally glacier national park or yosemite or any of the big parks out yellowstone especially if you're running out there you, you definitely want to be aware of those those guys because they're everywhere so uh we are doing a <clears throat> wilderness first aid course that's specific to trail runners uh in november and uh we'll be addressing a, a lot of issues over 16 hours of training plus getting some trail runs in as a group at night and doing some barbecue and i hope uh, definitely trail running barbecue and beer is a lot of time now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice combination uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh as a trail runner myself and a lot of time i go by myself uh running you know a lot of time you know it's not always to be able to fit our schedule get everybody running group which is always nice to have a group tell us about uh, the, the the loners going out there what kind of thing they should take with them to be ready for the situation i know we cannot prevent every, every situation but at, le at least simple you know all i have my backpack or my vest is water and a little bit of food i think that's uh, that's usually that's the only thing i have i do not carry anything with me most of the time i do have phone that's those are the only two few things i do carry because trying to stay light is usually the important for me you know and, and <laughs> tell us what do you see as a professional yourself, what kind of things should we carry beyond the water bottles and a little bit of food and phone? Well, um, you know, a lot of things come to mind. One is preventive medicine. So, you know, being hydrated and having the proper nutrition prior to running is, is always an excellent thing to do. And then also knowing where, you know, where you're running. So, you know, if you're running in uh, like the Pinhoti last month was, you know, super covered up with uh, eastern rattlers and cotton mouse and a lot of snakes. Um, I pretty much stay away from it till the fall and the winter. So uh, just because I don't want to deal with those things. You know, in my best, I carry a Sam splint, a single Sam, one ace roller, and I carry, you know, some bandages, some small ones, larger ones, and a little triple antibiotic and some sturdy strips. If I, you know, fall down and, you know, blow a knee out and I need to, instead of doing stitches, I can just close the wound with sturdy strips and bandage myself up. And then I always carry uh, something in the sense that if I do break a leg and I'm stuck, um, I do always carry an emergency blanket. And the combination of my kit 
is pretty light. I'd say it probably only weighs maybe six to 10 ounces. So really, I'll just look at the injuries that I may uh, sustain while I'm running, which is typically blisters. And then if I fall, I'm going to either strain, sprain, or break a wrist or twist an ankle or break an ankle and or maybe have a knee issue. So, um, you know, I like to be able to at least take care of myself and then and then be able to, you know, extricate myself or get myself out of the situation. Or if I have to stay in place, at least I have my emergency blanket. And as you said, I have my water and I carry a little bit of food too. So, um, you know, I'm not going to die or starve to death overnight. And that goes also with having a pre-plan, at least letting somebody know where you're running and when you expect to come back. So if you do not come back, uh, at least they can, you know, start getting uh, some folks to look for you or uh, notify whatever officials you know are in the area that you're at definitely uh thinking about uh trails here around the trails that we are used to going oak mountain uh, red mountain even out in um Ruffner, you know this, you know pretty dense area. I mean, human populated around Azure mode. That that's the word I'm looking for. It's not Azure mode. Is it, even in those area? Do you carry these things, or, or are you just talking about the, the remote trail like Pinhody, you know, far out? Well, looking at Red Mountain, I don't because there's a lot of people there. Oak Mountain, though, um, as you know as well as I do, uh, there are some very remote sections. Like we were out running uh, Saturday and Sunday at Oak. And, you know, we went back country off, you know, the old blue and uh, Barclays and, you know, all back in the back country and nobody's out there. And then Sunday we ran uh, a little blue, a little white, a little yellow and then on the red. And uh, we only ran into one person. So, you know, you could get stuck out there and, you know, we don't register at Oak Mountain Park, what our itinerary. So really nobody would know we're out there unless, you know, had that pre-plan and we were overdue and coming back. So, you know, we're always taking a risk and then you've, you've, are accomplished on the Pinhoti. I run, you know, all over the Pinhoti and all the other trails out there. And there's no registration there either. And you, you can get 20, 25 miles out and be nowhere. definitely definitely pinhood is pretty remote in uh, oak mountain if you don't know the trails it's definitely can be taunting because you you know areas that you end up going you know you say because trails that goes left and right and ups and downs as much as i run oak mountain i know every trail over there by now but for new people it's difficult so just because it's middle of everything don't assume that it's not going to be remote i think that's that's what you're saying so yeah you know a lot of us take it for granted that our cell phone's going to work. You know, I've run a lot in backcountry out in upstate New York where we have a cabin. And, you know, there's been a lot of rescues from overdue hikers and trail runners because they had a pre-plan and there's been others that were dependent. You know, they just thought their cell phone would work and have found themselves in some pretty dangerous situations and and a few of them have died out there you know with their plan being a cell phone so one thing i don't run with is a cell phone very rarely do i run with a cell phone however if i am going remote i do have a 
a uh, satellite spot system where I can just, you know, connect to my satellite and then it puts it up on my uh, software website and then the person that views it can actually see my location and I can also send small texts and if I do have a major accident, I can send an SOS to the national system. So uh, initiate a rescue as well. So, you know, you just kind of have to think about where you are. And I know on Oak, there's a lot of places you don't get cell service. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Even at the BMX area, you have to face certain ways to get some self-service. So Yeah, yeah. So definitely, uh, that's very interesting talk. 90% of the time, when I'm, while I, why I'm carrying my cell phone is to take a lot of photos so, or the videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, I uh, haven't had to use it, but definitely it's uh, it's kind of feel safe, like you said, feel safe that I have a cell phone, but I, we know that it's hard uh, sometimes to find the service. Just in the Pinhoti, if you're running Pinhoti 100 a lot of time, I think you can find the cell service most of the Pinhoti. If I'm correct, uh, somebody can correct me, but I think I think you can find self-service most of the way. I, I, I have not checked every spot, but most of the way, I think you can find service there. Yeah, there's, you know, it's spotty here and there, but uh, it depends on what side of uh, Chiha you're on. And then, you know, when you're coming out of Shoals Creek down in the flat there and climbing up that first 10 or 15 miles, it's very spotty in there. But once you start getting some elevation and getting up on the ridges, uh, you can get some pretty good s- spots. And, uh but if you're on the top of Chiha itself, Verizon doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I have Verizon, so definitely we need to let them know. Uh, yeah. One thing I wanted to mention here, we talked about cell cell phone. Some of us feel safe about it. One thing for sure, if there's no cell service and it's continuously looking at the towers and searching for towers, I've seen the battery getting drained out. And yeah. I have seen that battery. One time I left my phone, Todd Henderson's truck, and he took it uh, to the finish line when I ran Chiha. And then when it was 100%, but when I got the phone back, it was like 20%, you know, so... Most of the time, probably was searching for the cell service some places, but uh, definitely make sure that you have battery backup too. So I think that's that's what I wanted to say. Let's uh, let's keep talking about this uh, this topic. Some of the things you talked about: tactical rescue. What is the tactical? Well, in tactical medicine, um, you know, I have a, a a long history with the military and either operational medicine we call it and tactical medicine where medicine is right on the front when you're engaged so we have several programs and we also do a lot of custom design and we teach several courses one of them tactical emergency casualty care which is the civilian model of tactical combat casualty care lots of acronyms here basically you know the TCCC classes is focused to military operations. The tech course is the civilian version and is focused to task force rescue, which our country is going to now in response to active shooter and hostile events. And uh, we're basically calling it rescue task force concepts. So this is a big push. It has a long history. We've been teaching this for several years, but you know, it's slow to uptake because we're asking America first responders to change how they're doing business as far as responding to these very uh, hostile events that 
you know, you potentially be in harm's way. And then we have our tactical medic course where we focus on what we call a tactical medic provider, a TMP, which, you know, provides direct medical support to like SWAT teams. And that's a week long course. And then we have an advanced one as well, where we really get into a lot of different response drills to officers down or, you know, soldier down. And uh, we also go all the way through to live fire where we're putting our students under live fire with rifles and pistols so that we can give them as much experience without putting them into a tackle or combat situation. And then uh, we do custom work as well with that and kind of tactical medicine or at least operational medicine within the military community is now doing a lot of wilderness medicine. So we're crossing lines, which used to be pretty distinct categories of medicine is now becoming gray as well as our tactical medicine is blending into civilian medicine and our civilian medicine, you know, is crossing into military medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. It's a lot of a lot of uh, crossover. It's hard hard to grasp. Uh, just in a runner's term, I think for me, uh, if I listen to you carefully, when I go to big city marathon, even the marathon now, you know, after Boston marathon, what happened? You know, we have to be be ready. I mean, I pace a uh, big city marathon, you know, Chicago and all. I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, security out there I think still you know you never know what you're going to get into it uh, always those situations how do you tackle or how do you teach your student to tackle such a situation as a runner in a situation when when you end up in the wrong place uh, even during the race you know end up in a wrong situation or how do you teach them well you know Boston Marathon is a good example um, one Boston EMS and Boston Fire Rescue as well as the hospitals actually just adopted Adopted, uh, the rescue task force concept and actually pre pre-staged or pre-equipped their ambulances uh, for number one with tourniquets and hemostatic bleeding control agents and uh, they also uh, trained extensively in this and actually the rescue task force concepts so uh, unfortunately we had a uh, you know the bombing go off it was catastrophic there was a lot uh, not a lot but there were a few traumatic amputations as well as other trap metal type injuries overpressure injuries and things like that and uh, the response well one the event was overwhelming because we've never experienced that as runners and uh, you know our communities are are pretty tight and uh, most of us run to get away from the real world and you know and and the stresses that we face every day at work and and living in the urban areas so it was a huge impact Um, and we also not only saw first responders respond very well and get people to where they needed to go but also runners were helping runners by moving them to cover putting on improvised tourniquets carrying people to ambulances uh there's really strong photographic evidence which i have a lot of in my own files so to address the second part of your question you know being situationally aware is paramount being a soldier and trained in, in the uh, areas that I've been trained, you know, keeping, we always say, keep your head on a swivel. You're, you're always vigilant to what's going on around you. And in this day, if you see something, you're hearing it now on the radios and TV, if you see something, say something. 
and then definitely move your crew away from it until it's figured out. And uh, that's about all we can do. But the security measures have changed. Uh, I remember you could bring anything to a race. Now, <laughs> yes. now yeah, now it's kind of like clear backpacks and bags and it goes through security and they bring them to your aid stations or to the finish line for you. And uh, I'm sure that will continue because these large events are what we call uh, their targets of opportunity. They're high, they're high payoff targets uh, if you're that kind of person looking to cause one of these events. So, you know, I hate to dabble even in it but you know that's the realities of running marathons and that's one of the reasons why uh, i quit running the streets one I, I don't deal with large crowds and then it's difficult to be very situationally aware you know when you have 20 30 40 50 thousand runners all in one place and then you know all the people that are supporting you and, and your families and that's kind of what's happened to me so but yeah being very very vigilant and situationally aware is is key to when you're in those crowds definitely uh one of the thing uh recent change uh i think uh from the London experience and some of the other places, uh, they have a snow piles, uh, those those big cranes and stuff, and a lot of intersections these days, so that it's not open. And even in Boston, I saw a lot, Chicago and all these places, they do have it. So somebody would not just drive into the crowd and stuff like that. So there are a lot of things to think, consider, and it's kind of, you like you said, when you're in a situation, when you go in a big city, uh, in a small city, we don't do as much. Uh, in a big city, it's just kind of interesting to see how the security measures has changed through the, through the years. So so definitely, I've been running Chicago for several years now, and just, just things have been just changing and changing, and even in Boston and everywhere else, you know. Yeah, it has changed our world of, you know, the marathon. And yeah, security is, especially as the events you're talking about, Chicago, uh, Boston, and large events like that, big name marathons, they have everything up to, you know, snipers on the roof and, you know, hundreds of officers and, yeah, using whatever to block intersections out. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's the reality of, putting on uh, a race uh, you know it must be really difficult as a race director <laughs> to have that you know that's something you have to manage definitely that's added added <laughs> security and as a pacer you know kind of part of the event i have to be aware of what things are around me as well and so it's uh, uh we're not told to do all these things but definitely i am always aware in a situation so mm-hmm. well, that's so. good so let's just uh, keep moving on our topic of some of the things you do. Uh, community re- resilience, I think that's what you said. What is that? So community resilience is, is part of, you know, it, it's getting a lot of focus now because we've had uh, a lot of these tragic events in the last couple of years that are, have been happening in our schools, in our businesses, in our, our malls, shopping centers. What we focus our attention on uh, and a term that everyone should be familiar with, or if you haven't heard it, is, you know, active shooting and, and stop the bleed. Um, there's a lot of stop the bleed courses out there some are better than others and uh, we focus 
our attention in, in we have a program called CARE, Community Awareness and Resilience Education, and we have several courses under that umbrella from Stop the Bleed to just uh, situational awareness courses that uh, you can take. And everybody is a first responder because when these events happen, uh, and, and I'll try to put it in a perspective, let's say you're at, I don't know, the Galleria uh, Mall and you're in the middle of it and an event uh, with a shooting or an explosion goes off, uh, we perceive as a community that, you know, police and EMS will be there right away. Police will be there very quickly, and their job is what they call, uh, they're going to be a contact team. So the first couple officers get together, get suited up, and their job is to go to the sound. They go to the threat, and they stop the threat in whatever means necessary to, to stop it because that's good medicine. Uh, the more you let the threat run around, the more people they're going to wound and kill. So that's their job. They're going to bypass all the victims that are involved in it um, because that's their focus. And right now, uh, a lot of communities, you know, the way the EMS and fire rescue get to the problem, they stage what we call on a cold line and until the scene is safe. Um, and this is task force rescue concepts now being pushed down by the Department of Homeland Security is we're going to start asking our fire rescue and EMS to start coming into the warm zone. And they do that with police security. And so that we can stop the bleeding to these victims as fast as we can um, because you can bleed to death in three to five minutes mm. depending on you know if you're hit arterially or even a large vein so community resilience is teaching civilians and businesses and schools to provide their own first response by uh, utilizing very simple medical equipment. Uh, we use IFACs, individual first aid kits, which basically has come from the military, and they contain tourniquets, hemostatic agents, which are a product that helps stop bleeding in penetrating trauma and some very, you know, simple pressure bandages and things like that. And with four to eight hours of training, um, now you have the ability to take care of yourself. And we always recommend everybody carry their own IFAC kits, whether it's in the car or in your purse or your pocket, you can get these things pretty small. And then also as communities like the uh, CPR AED programs that are still going on after 20 30 years, you know, we see these stations where AEDs are, we're trying now to get stop the bleed kits mounted right next to them so that these IFACs, these individual first aid kits are available to civilians. And again, with a little bit of training, you can save lives because you're there on the scene and you may be a victim yourself. And, you know, if you're waiting for a response, it could take 5, 10, 15 minutes, depending on where you are, even longer. And potentially you will bleed to death uh, or others will around you. And uh, that's a pretty helpless situation. It's kind of modeling a little bit from Israel being in the situation they are uh, geographically. And, uh, you know, everybody's taught how to first respond. And they're a very resilient community or very resilient state. Definitely. 
thinking <laughs> thinking about it is kind of scary thought but like we discussed earlier just it's just a reality of this this days this age and uh, now uh, anything can happen and we have seen uh, in even recent cases where runners get attacked and she was she bleed to death nothing so so recently out in Washington this area so you know we were out out and about running just kind of trying to relate to running um, I know that it's, it's the, whatever you just talked is beyond running but um, definitely it's a it's in every situation I guess you are the victim as well as you are the first responder I think that's the point Yeah. And, you know, being able to help others with very basic skills and education is totally relevant. And, you know, as runners, you know, we have a responsibility to take care of yourself. And uh, I'm very passionate about it because as a mountaineer and climber, you know, uh, climbing in remote mountains and, and, you know, climbing on, you know, high remote cliffs. Uh, the last thing I want to do is initiate a rescue and be dependent on, you know, a rescue. One, now is very costly, but two, you're, you're engaging other people and they're risking their lives and limb to rescue you because you had a problem. So the more education and, and training you have to be self-reliant or your team is self-reliant better enables you for survivability and two you you can take care of yourselves versus you know depending on an outside uh, resource in your public safety or your rangers or true park rescues like you saw in yosemite and things like that sometimes it happens and uh you know you 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 know from coming from nepal uh and then the beautiful high mountains there uh i mean we have accidents climbing there every year people die but a lot of times these people are on commercial trips and they're totally relying on their guides to ensure their safety but then things happen and bad things happen you know we look at the 1996 been on Everest, uh, we lost a lot of people. <laughs> a lot there. of people that day, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then even two years ago, when we had the earthquakes, you know, a lot of wonderful Sherpa perished in the ice, you know, falls, and uh, that was bad. And it, it, you know, we're depending on rescues, which had to happen because a lot of people were really hurt. So you know, I, I, even in the small scale of trail running and the large scale of trail running, you know, the you, you should know basic first aid and you should know how to to one, you know, start with your pre plan, you know do good nutrition and and hydration planning and you know that's an art in itself we all have our ways uh, and that kind of showed itself what at the uh the last race we had there out in the Pinotti area two weeks ago a lot of people were you know got hit with the heat and it hit them hard and then you know uh every race that i'm running in now i usually work on somebody whether it's a split knee i've had dislocated ankles wrists uh just mm. made minor blisters to people totally bonking out sitting down that are you know electrolyte depleted so i truly believe that everybody should have some kind of training and education so that they're a more uh, self-reliant runner and a better uh, citizen in our running community definitely uh and more we can talk about this this kind of thing and uh, more of us will be aware a lot of things you talked about today, I'm, I was not aware or I've been ignorant, I guess, in the sense that uh, I just go out and run it and think that things will be okay. 
Sometimes it's not. I know that. And I have a, I have a responsibility to be on <laughs> running trails. I go run trails to get away from things. But just sometimes I have to be responsible and um, to take care of myself uh, first. So uh, a lot of things you talked about today, uh, there, if you can provide us some foot, uh, pictures and things where some of the f- simple first aid kits that we can buy or some of the things you use, uh, some of the visual. I know we are podcast audio, so it'll be great if you can provide that. But um, but if you somebody wants to have a training, I know you mentioned about November training. Tell us about a little bit about that. We run, you know, approximately four to six wilderness first aid courses a year. We typically hold them up at uh, Chiha State Park because we have a uh, a partnership with them. We've done a lot of training for their folks up there because of their geographics on the mountain and the cliffs and things. So uh, it's a 16-hour course, and it basically gives you the the basic skills and education to uh take care of yourself whether like i said a a backpacker or a runner or you know even a mountain biker you know you get the the education and skills required to at least take care of yourself and most of all at least to assess the situation and know that you're in trouble and you need to respond to it. And we do a lot of our training with a lot of practical uh, scenario-based training. So we, 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 give, we give people the education and the skills. Then we also let them, you know, we do these little mock-up uh, accidents and then people will have to, our students have to critically think through, you know, the scene and what we're, you know, giving them as a problem and then critically think through it and solve it and come up with the best solutions based on the group or, or whatever they're, they're involved in. And then, you know, if you want, if you like that, then are, we have an 80 hour course, which is eight days long, which is a nationally recognized first responder course, uh, guides like the American Mountain Guides Association. Uh, It's the minimum required to become a guide in the United States that you have this 80-hour course, and then you can go higher and higher to EMT, to paramedic, and so on and so forth. But the course that we're delivering to our community here in the Birmingham area and uh, is a, you know, is this course that I'm talking about. And we did kind of design it to runner injuries and and, and things runners and count specifically, but uh, we hope to have a lot of fun with it. And uh, we've gotten a lot of interest and we still have about three or four seats left. Um, we're seating 16 and it's a reduced rate uh, course to, you know, butts people and anybody in the Southeastern Trail Runners family. So yeah, we, we hope it goes well and we'll continue to do that. Definitely. Uh... If uh, if any runners want to join that, uh, well, I'll I'll post a link to Aaron's uh, training center uh, with the show note. Tell us about if uh, runners can't attend such a training. Uh, what is the basic training they should at least online training, video training? Is is I assume there's a lot of resources out there, correct? Oh yeah, I mean there's a ton of resources and there's a lot. Uh, with virtual or hybrid training, we call it in our education world. Um, video training will give you, you know, the basic knowledge and education, but what it does lack is the actual hands-on skills and then, again, the experience of 
being put into these practical exercises. So, I mean, it's not hard to learn how to put on. It's not hard to learn how to put on a splint correctly. Uh, these tools are, are are very easy to use, but there are little caveats to it. And you know, based on our experience as instructors, um, we teach all the little shortcuts and then the do's and don'ts and when you probably should do something or when you might consider not doing it depending on the injury or the illness that uh, you're experiencing so there's a plethora i mean you google wilderness first aid or or you know uh how to splint uh, an ankle you'll be busy for weeks <laughs> <laughs> definitely but like anything you find on the internet you have to learn to digest it uh, correctly uh, how can our listener find you and the facebook internet do you have like facebook page do you have all those i assume yeah so we, we have three channels of social media we're on instagram and then twitter uh i deal with facebook so uh you can either get just you know look up aaron jameson at facebook you'll find it i'm linked to my commercial account which is valkyries austere medical solutions on facebook and then we have an evolving and always changing website at www.valkyriesaustere.com and you it, it's it well we have photos on there we have all our courses on there our schedules are on there uh costs associated with it and then one of the things we pride ourselves is we're uh very much an open book. We spend a lot of time collaborating with people, answering questions, helping them uh, with problems that they may have or and help them come up with solutions. Um, and that's part of the name of our business. So that's what we do. Aaron, that's a uh, great information. And it looks like you do a lot of great work out there to help the community uh, through your business. It's always wonderful to learn. And I've learned a lot just in the short interview. We talked, we have seen each other passing in the trails, drinking beers after the races. <laughs> so, but uh, this yeah. is the first time really I got to learn because I have seen a lot of photos from your uh, events that you do. And it was really interesting. I was wondering if, if I could bring you to this podcast and let our community listen to what you have to say. Definitely. Uh, before we close this interview, I just want you to give a word of advice to all the runners, all the listeners listening to our podcast uh, interview to learn to take care of themselves, not to be scared of situation, but learn to take care and enjoy the day, even either out in the woods or out running races in big city marathon or any situation. Give us a word of advice from the experience that you have and things you teach. Well, you know, we have a little motto or mantra, and it's basically be aware and prepared. And, and the other is if you know it and you practice it and you own it, you'll probably never use it. But if you don't, you may end up needing it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I live my life. And uh, you know, that's what we try to advocate is just being aware of what you're about to get into and then, you know, be prepared to handle, you know, all the, the different things that could eventually cause you issues. And, uh, you know, preparing means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So that's how we live. Great. Sounds like great word of advice, Aaron. And it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming to Imran's podcast and talking to us and our listening audience and giving you wisdom about so many things you do and uh hope to see you this weekend at the uh, blood rock if the this podcast is released after the blood rock just so you know it's, this is a blood rock weekend end of september blood blood rock uh 100 
miler, 50 miler, and uh, 25 miler. A lot of trail running going on <laughs> this weekend at Oak Mountain. And definitely we need your advice and your guidance if something happens out there. So, so and you're going to be running hundreds, so you'll be there forever. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, inviting us uh, to to talk with you, and yeah, we're actually, uh, I'll be running and I'll be carrying a little bit of stuff, but uh, my operations director will be there providing medical support, and uh, we're, we also have the capability of going in and grabbing one of our runners if necessary, so yeah, we'll be there all, like, Friday all the way through Sunday. Definitely. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll be a lot of running so thanks again uh, we'll, I'll see you this weekend alright thank you thanks for listening to another episode of Emrun's podcast please visit emruns.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes links to our social media channels get race photos get discount codes and more